I am thrilled to be joined by Tahira Skolnick on today's episode of How I Sell presented by The Ramp Podcast. Tahira is currently the Manager of Sales Development at Figma, a company that reached unicorn status within the last 12 months. One of the hottest tech companies in the entire world, Tahira has risen up through the sales ranks at impressive companies along the way. She was a top performer at Square as an individual contributor, and she moved to Figma about three years ago, where she was a key contributor on both mid-market and enterprise sales before her current role as a manager of sales development. She talks through many strategies and tactics, getting in the weeds on how folks can kick off a successful sales development career and some of the things they absolutely need to focus on before getting a promotion within a sales organization. I enjoyed speaking to Tahira. Tahira lays it out as straightforward as you can and talks through some of the realities of a tech sales career. I know you're going to love learning from her strategic and tactical guidance. Enjoy this episode of How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, welcome back to How I Sell, presented by the Ramp Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. It's Tahira Skolnick. She comes to us by way of Figma. Tahira, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So before we jump into those five questions that we ask all our guests on season two of How I Sell, uh, who is Tahira Skolnick? Yeah, I guess deep question. Um, I am currently leading sales development at Figma. I came to Figma after almost five years at Square. Prior to that, I had a brief stint in luxury real estate. (laughs) Very different from sales, obviously, and different from tech. But yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Prior to my current role, I was also working as an IC. So I was on the enterprise sales team and mid-market sales team before that at Figma. So seen quite a bit of our motion at this point. That's really great. And I think that's one of the things that drew us to you in the first place was your impressive track record coming up through the ranks You've worn pretty much every hat that we teach our folks here at Ramped about. So uh, starting as an IC and then moving your way into a manager and ultimately managing a pretty big team. It sounds like the team over there at Figma is growing quite significantly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just impressive career. And thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, of course. Very excited to chat today. Awesome. So let's dive into those five questions. The first of which what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? Yeah. So I think more than anything, it's about being curious and asking a lot of questions to essentially train yourself to understand the businesses that you're working for. I think understanding business priorities by way of being curious is hands down the most important thing for you to be able to understand what work you're doing and what your own individual impact is for any company that you work for. So that was probably something that I wished I had learned a little bit sooner in my career, honestly, but being able to map your personal work and your priorities to whatever it is that your company or companies are focused on is, is crucial, I'd say. Huge investment to understand that. That's awesome. And and something we've heard before on the show is like being curious mm-hmm. and why curiosity is such an important part of being a productive salesperson, productive mm-hmm. really in any role that's client facing or customer facing. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned kind of learned along the way. Is curiosity something you think is innate in, in folks like our, our salespeople 
Uh, and what I mean by that, are, are salespeople naturally curious or is that something that you can that you can kind of crystallize or you can learn as you're going up through the ranks uh, in sales? Yeah, I think it's hard to say if salespeople are naturally curious. I think I've, I've met some people who I think are like very deeply curious and I do think that that's a personal trait. I think others have learned enough lessons throughout their work that if they didn't question things or if they didn't ask any sort of follow-up, they couldn't necessarily get from point A to point B. So I think the more questions you learn to ask as you progress in your career, you probably do become more curious. And I do think it's important, not only for your actual core work, like when you're an AE, your whole job is doing discovery, like learning as much as you can about your customers. And I'd say that is the most crucial piece of any sort of sales cycle is that every bit of ammo that you have later on, everything that you can point back to for you know your own success with your deals or your own career, it's all about the questions that you asked up front. So I do think that you refine those skills as you progress in your sales career. Some people are really good at them in the beginning. Others need to work on it. Um, but once you, and I, I think learning how to be curious and learning how to manage a discovery conversation, for example, is something that you perfect regardless of whether or not you're super early in your sales career, or if you've been at it for 20 years, like you're always learning how to do that better. But I would say that it's it's not the easiest thing to refine, but there are certainly possibilities and options for you to get better at it as you progress. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Something mm -hmm. that I've noticed for sure when you make the jump from SDR to AE, the mm -hmm. folks that can really dive in deep, ask questions that are relevant and not just mm -hmm. questions because they come off a list of qualification or discovery questions that you found right. on like a HubSpot blog or sales hacker. It's the ones that really target the emotional needs and wants of the buyer, right? Eventually you need yeah. to be the one as salesperson it's on you to understand their positioning, understand their pain points. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's, that's great advice and something that carries folks a long way, especially in that closing role. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, question yeah. two, what is the biggest surprise you faced early in your career and why? Yeah, so actually it's interesting. I did not decide to go into sales immediately when I entered into the tech space. I actually started out in a support role. And so when I transitioned into sales from support, I think the biggest surprise for me was that being a product expert is not necessarily the thing that's going to make you the best salesperson you can be. And it's very important to have mastery of your product and to understand what it is that you're selling. But if you're constantly just spewing out how to help people or how to you know perform the nitty gritty tasks of your product, you lose a lot of your power as a salesperson. And that was a huge surprise to me um, and something that you know had to learn the hard way about, of course. Um, but I'd say that was... It's a very specific learning, um, but I, I do think that it's it's been crucial for me in understanding how to maintain strong relationships with my customers, with my internal partners, and honestly, just how to make sure that I'm holding the keys and managing my own success and my own deals and my own career well. So being a product expert can help you. It's not going to be the only thing that helps you. Yeah, it's uh, that that's that is tactical guidance and very nuanced and. Certainly something that I was faced with, not in my first role, I, I had no idea. I thought you diving into the product would be the way to sell it. It's really a, a number of things. Um, yeah. What would you say off of that, if diving into the product isn't that most important, what do you think would be the key to unlocking a successful career in sales? Like what's that, yeah. that catalyst, if you will, when you're coming up through your career? Yeah. So I think on the product side, in order to really understand the features and what it is that your your company is doing. It's understanding those business priorities that I kind of mentioned in the very beginning. 
And so if you understand why your company is building the things that they're building, who they're serving, and how your work fits into that, that's something where I think it helps you spark curiosity. It helps you ask the right questions. It helps you figure out what the landscape is generally of your career within your own company because you understand the nuts and bolts of the business. I think beyond that, though, there really is no silver bullet as it relates to the product. I think like if you have some good instincts about, hey, I'm going to talk to my customer about A, B, and C things as it relates to our product, that helps guide them. It helps you be consultative with them. It helps them understand, here's the value of this thing when it comes to the company. If the company really is valuing those points, A, B, and C, when it comes to how they market their product, what they're telling you or enabling you to talk about within their product, I think internalizing those themes is what's the most important thing and understanding how you fit in um, to the landscape of your company and what your customers need to expect of you. That's awesome. It's like related to, tangentially related to understanding the product, but going a little bit deeper to that again, Mm -hmm. kind of that emotional connection, pain point connection between you and ultimately uh, the customer or, or future buyer. Yeah, totally. Great, great. Super tactical advice. I love it. Question number three. What is one mistake you made early in your career that shaped the way that you operate today and Mm -hmm. how has it shaped you? Yeah. So this is a twofold question for me. I think it actually ties into what I said earlier about being the product expert. Because I knew so much about the product when I moved into a sales role, I also thought that my internal value, not just to my customers, but to my team was being able to help everyone around me. And being this person who could hold everyone's hand and understanding and understanding the product and understanding which people to connect with internally about the product. And I, I didn't necessarily focus on my end goal, which was like, what are the things you control? Your inputs, you know, getting to your quota, meeting the needs that are literally outlined for you on paper when it comes to your job. And so the sort of abstract value that I brought to my team, I thought was what would propel me forward rather than... I guess, just focusing on my inputs and focusing on things that I control or can control. And so that was a big mistake for me in the sense that I ended up a little bit distracted. I wasn't just focusing on hitting my quota. I was focusing on what value can you bring to everyone else around you? And it's not that in sales, those things don't matter, but it's that they are not the only thing that matters. Bottom line, hit your number, do your job. And it's not that I wasn't able to succeed. It's just that I was focused on too many things around me that I struggled to learn those sales skills. I struggled to learn how to manage my discovery conversations effectively. And I wasn't thinking about the tactical things that really, really mattered to lay that foundation. And so that inherent value that you might be able to bring if you're an expert on something specific is great, but those aren't things that people naturally realize about you and they're not the things that get you promoted. And so it's it's important to take note of all of those extra things that you're doing and all of the sort of values that are not easy to write down on paper, like take note of those things and talk about those things in your self-review. And when you talk to your manager about kind of everything else you're doing aside from your core work, but don't make the mistake of focusing only on the abstract value. Make sure that you're really focused on exactly what it is that's expected of you and drawing the lines to how those things actually impact the team around you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Was there a Mm -hmm. moment in your career where that came to a head, you know, it sounds like you, you learned that yeah. along the way. And I asked because sales, when you're coming up or when you're entering into a sales role, everybody always says, right, it's about the numbers, hit your numbers, hit your numbers, yeah. hit your quota. And there's this fine balance. And I think the good companies realize it 
pretty quickly that like sales are salespeople are not just robots that are just going to yeah. get their numbers, check in, check out. There's yeah. a lot that goes into it. There's lots of building a culture and a team. Was there a moment where you realize, okay, you know, it's not just, or you swung the pendulum maybe too far to the, mm-hmm. to the other way versus focused on the numbers or is is it something that you learned at many stops? Yeah, I think I definitely learned it in a number of different ways. I would say there was one one specific moment where I was going up for like promotion or it wasn't necessarily a promotion. It was um, kind of like a next level up, but you weren't necessarily in a different role. Hard to explain, but I was, I was competing for something essentially. My numbers were not that far off from someone else's, but I was told that I didn't get the opportunity because that person's numbers were higher than mine. Even though all the qualitative stuff that I did bring to the table matter. It's not that the people who are around me didn't have those things either. It was that they were still very focused on the bottom line. And so if I had, let's say, cared 25% less about those extra things and put that energy into the numbers, then I think I would have been able to refine my focus a bit more and I would have maybe gotten that opportunity. And so I, I guess I want to correct myself. And then it doesn't mean that you should be a robot or that the only things that you should do are hit your number, hit your number, don't care about the business around you. That's, that's absolutely not what you should do. It's figure out how to work on some qualitative stuff that really does contribute to your community, their overall corporate goals and your personal success in tandem with the bottom line of, of hitting your goals. And so for me, it was just an, an imbalance of energy. Um, and that that moment really, it really came through because the feedback I received, of course, was, hey, we actually think you might've been better at some of those things than some other people who went up for the role. But ultimately, when we measure success and when we think about what we need for these various positions, motivation matters and setting an example matters. And part of that is making sure that the sales team as a whole is contributing to those goals, driving revenue and, you know, hitting our numbers. And so I was, but it's, it's possible to do that a little bit more and to refocus your energy, I'd say. Yeah. Thank you for going, going mm-hmm. a level deeper there. Yeah. It's uh, sure. it's like, you have to check the box, the performance yeah. box, right? Before you're up for or elevated to, or can't even be in the conversation to yeah. have that next level. And I think the the good and the bad about sales is it is competitive. It's numbers focused. It's analytical. Mm-hmm. You always know where you stack rank. And the bad is right. That's, that's the prerequisite. You have to, I wouldn't even call it bad. It's just, that's the reality is yeah. That's the prerequisite to get you to the next levels. You have to you have to hit that box. You have to check it mm-hmm. to put yourself in the conversation to get mm-hmm. promoted or put yourself in the conversation to yeah. take the next step. And I mean, it's clear from where you went or from that point in your career that that you've done that. So it's it's awesome to see, uh, and it's really cool to hear. And it's not always communicated effectively, like when you're in your first role or about to embark on your first role and you choose sales, nobody kind of lays it out bluntly and just says, look, you got to hit these numbers. Like just yeah. that's the role, just hit the numbers yeah. and then you can have pretty much whatever you want, but you, you got to yeah. do it. And it sounds really great if you didn't only have to do that or like you could just bring some crazy value to the role and yeah. have those things not be a part of it. But at the end of the day, sales as by definition is a revenue driving organization. So absolutely. That's great. Moving on to question four, who mm-hmm. has had the greatest impact on your career and why? And some folks take this in the direction if they don't want to name somebody directly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a situation or a, or a company or a community that's had a great yeah. impact on their career as well. I actually might take it in even a different direction on that front. Um, but I'd say the way I learn the best is by thinking about tons of different experiences I've had or like 
conversations, key elements of things that maybe I haven't liked the most? And what, how can I learn from those experiences and pivot them into something positive for myself? So I think I'm constantly learning is really the bottom line here. I would say there's never a moment in time where I enter into a situation and I'm like, well, I got it. I know it. And so that's it. And I'm not going to leave this conversation learning anything. And so on that front, I'd say it's kind of a hodgepodge of experiences working with many different managers over the course of my career, understanding the moments in which I felt either, I don't know, discouraged or psychologically unsafe. Like those are the things that for me, especially as a manager now, I'm thinking through and I'm deciding hey, if I learned in a visual way and I learned when my manager was really hands-on with me, how can I repeat those experiences for the people that I'm managing today? Or if I was given too much autonomy, what did that do to me as a rep or you know, as a supporter, whatever work I was doing in those moments in time? And what can I grasp from that experience and bring it forward with my current reports or my peers? So there's there's not, I think this is a hard question for me to answer in the sense that there isn't one thing that, or even one company or one experience that has had the greatest impact. It's kind of going full circle, coming back to curiosity. It's really taking note of all the experiences. I write so many things down as I'm in my conversations and I, I make sure that there's always some sort of takeaway from everything that I am experiencing. Um, and in, on that note, it's also why curiosity is so important is that if you are a robot with your work and you're not thinking about why the stuff that you're doing matters for you or matters for your company, then you probably won't learn anything um, throughout those experiences. So I know that's not necessarily answering the question directly, but I think more than anything, it's making sure that every everything that you are doing does have an impact on your career. That you're trying to extrapolate all elements from the conversations, from your customers, from your managers, and understanding positive or negative what those things mean for you. So for me, writing things down, coming back to the themes of my conversations, one-on-ones, et cetera, is what's actually helped me decide what's going to make an impact on my career. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. I want to summarize a bit, but I don't want to put, you know, words in your mouth, but it sounds like yeah. you've you you're saying something like, you know, hey, I've taken all of this and all these experiences in my career, and I'm trying to leave future generations, future people that I manage direct reports better off. So yeah. almost like leaving the leaving the team, the culture, the folks that I work with, you know, direct reports, people who maybe manage me in a better place because of the stuff that I've learned in my career and good and bad, you know, uh, the, right. the really tough, it sounds like, and, and the great. So I, I like that perspective a lot. Definitely. And I guess one thing to add to that is just you're going to learn the most when you do ask follow-up questions when you receive some constructive feedback too. And so I think if you disagree with feedback, sometimes the hardest stuff that you've listened to can have the greatest impact on your career overall, even especially when you disagree with those things. Yeah. And so recognizing that you're not always going to agree with everything that happens in your environment or that something's being told to you, but learning from those experiences and, and tying them back to the stuff that does matter, which is you controlling your own destiny and, and taking your career in the direction that you care about, not what's being dictated to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's like the radical candor school of thought, yeah. right? You you give the true, honest feedback in a very caring, supportive way. And if you're delivering that, it's okay to you know, share harsh truths or receive yeah. harsh truths, even if you don't agree with it, or even if you don't really want to hear it. Totally. So last question, we've asked all our guests on both season one and season two, uh, yeah. how I sell. Uh, if you go, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, 
Mm -hmm. What advice would you give yourself as you were embarking on your career? Yeah. So I'm a word wart. I tend to be the person who's like, oh my gosh, if I do this now, what's going to happen to me in two years? And it's like, I think having a forward outlook is important, but not that far out. Um, And so I'd say the biggest thing for me is going back to focusing on your inputs and the things that you control or you can control. And if you do that well, then the stuff that matters in six months or in a year from now will actually fall into place. So for me, it's, I think the six month outlook is super important. I do think about how my actions today are going to impact me about six months out, but early in my career, there's no way that I could have understood what those impacts maybe directionally would provide for me. And I think as you progress year after year, you do start to hone in on maybe forecasting some of those impacts of your actions. When you're very early on, the best thing that you can do is just focus on exactly what's in front of you and doing those things well. And if those actions are not things that you actually care about and you don't want to spend your time doing, that's a signal too. Like you don't have to force yourself to do the stuff that you know is core to the job that you're doing today if ultimately that job isn't right for you. And I learned that early on by pivoting into a sales role, right? It was that I was forcing myself to go step-by-step and trying to like, you know, do everything that was expected of me, which was great, but I didn't care about that thing. And so if I had not thought about, Uh, A year from now, if I just keep doing this, I'll be fine. And if I had said, hey, look, maybe this isn't the path for you, go find one that is, then who knows where I would have been sooner. You know what I mean? So I think realistically, it's just focusing on what's in front of you. And if what's in front of you isn't what you're enjoying, figuring out what those things that you enjoy are, why you're not enjoying the things that you're doing and correcting and then focusing on what's in front of you after that, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's there's there's two key lessons there that I think are super important sales. Otherwise, one is controlling your controllables, controlling your inputs. Yeah, it's loud and clear. And we say that a lot in sales. Frankly, focus on the things that you can control: your activity numbers, you know, how many emails you send, how many calls you make, the metrics, the activity metrics that like nobody else can can do except mm-hmm. for you. But it's really yeah. true. It's true for for all things, especially in your career, in yeah. your early career, like there's going to be just so much stuff thrown at you that you're not going to be able to, to handle. You don't know what yeah. it's coming from. You don't know why it came your way. All you can do is control your reaction or how you, you deal with it. And then the other that I've heard is, you know, it's okay to, if you, if you don't like it, have, have a check-in with yourself and assess mm-hmm. like, is this really for me? Or is this something where I can shut it down now before it, before it's, turns into a, a bad situation before it yeah. takes an emotional toll. We're talking, we're having the conversations a lot today, but the, the mental health conversation, especially in sales, needs to be brought to the forefront of just just check in. It's a, it's a tough role. 100%. You're on the phone, you get rejected all the time. Like, yeah. I had never faced that type of rejection before jumping into a sales role. Like, picking up the phone 100 times and getting no 98, like, you, you just don't experience that in your yeah. life. So. Just check in and is this, it, it's okay if it's not 100% the right career for you or even the role yeah. you could, you know, you could, you could pivot into something else that's related to, or even in sales. Totally. You own your career. Like at the end of the day, it's, you're the one who gets to make the choices and you're the one who gets to control your story too. So it's not just about those nitty gritty inputs, but it is also about controlling how you want to show up and how you're seen. Yeah. I love it. Uh, a great place to end the discussion for today to hear. I really, really appreciate you being on the show, uh, where can folks find you? Yeah. Um, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, if you just type in my name, I'm probably one of the few people with 
that combination of names. So you're probably not going to come up with a bunch of people on the search results, but feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Happy to chat with anyone. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. The folks in the rent program may take you up on that. So get ready for a bunch of messages, but hopefully they'll be super respectful of your time as well. But Tahira, we really appreciate you being on the Ramped podcast and how I sell and hope to have you back someday. Thank you so much for sharing your guidance. I know our audience is absolutely going to love it. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Ramped podcast. To access our show notes, the Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.